Thank you for joining us on our Living Word Christian Center podcast. You're about to listen to one of our guest speakers. Open up your hearts and get ready to receive a word from the Lord. And, uh, you know, this is probably the only place I could really say um, that I could really say that I feel at home. I've been to a lot of churches, you know, in my life, but this would be the only place I could really say where I feel at home. And the reason is, is because Pastor Ruben is, he's our spiritual father. You know, this is where, and under his leadership is where I got trained and raised and, and a lot of who I am today is because of the discipleship of Pastor Ruben. So. You know, the Bible says you have 10,000 instructors, but not many fathers, you know. And so I have one spiritual father, and I'm blessed to be a part of his life. Amen. So if you go to the uh, Genesis chapter 4, I also want to, uh, you know, of course you guys don't know us, most of you don't, and, uh, but I really want to thank my wife because as any <laughs> man of God knows, I would not be who I am without my wife. There's just no way. Uh, although in your brain, sometimes you think, oh no, no, I, you know, I got this. But, but the reality is uh, my wife is a very powerful woman and very prophetic and just anointed and uh, has great insight. And so uh, she's develop, helped develop me in more ways than than she understands in even more ways than even I understand. But I'm grateful for all that. And, uh, and Pastor Ruben mentioned 41 years ago, and uh, my sister-in-law Sandy is here, who was the maid of honor on my wife's side. And <laughs> she's here today, 41 years ago. And my other sister-in-law, Maria's with her too, but anyway. Uh, it's good to be here. I counted a, uh, you know, it's always an honor to preach the word of God, but I, I want to get into this, and I, I can tell you right now, I won't get this whole message in, but I'm going to give you as much as I can, um, and I want to talk about something that is really, really critical for, for you to understand. Um, I'm going to put a timer on me because I, I know myself, and... Um, uh, but what, what, something I've learned is that, you know, you, you won't change. We don't change until somewhere in your life you make a shift in the way you think. You know, because we want to change. We want to develop. We want to grow. But I can tell you from experience that change doesn't happen just because you, you come to church or you pray and say, God, change me. Until you change the way you think, the way you see things, your perspective has to change. That has to be something that you and God, there's a working of God in your life. If that doesn't happen, if you get stuck in a way of thinking, and, we get, and let me tell you as believers, we do get stuck. I'm going to show you that in a minute, okay? We get stuck in a particular way of thinking, and so we're not open to things that we don't recognize or that... Maybe we're not, we don't have an understanding, and it gets in the way 
of God working something in our life to bring change. And I tell you what, I want to be conformed into the image of his dear son. And so it requires a change of thinking. And, you know, a, a lot of people, they're hungry for revelation. And I am too. I'm hungry for revelation. But I've learned this. Because yeah, when, when something is revealed, when God reveals something to you, and, and you own it and, it, it, and you change, see, and you start obeying that, See, then that's when you really own revelation. You can never own more revelation than you're willing to obey. So, because if God can reveal something to you, but if you're not going to do what God reveals to you, then it just kind of goes away. But you know what? When God reveals something to me, I want to hang on to it. I want it to become a part of my life, become a part of who I am, and that means that I have to change the way I think as God reveals himself to me. That's what God wants to do, see? And, and, and revelation from the Lord, for those of you who like to teach the word of God and all that, you know, uh, revelation of God is only as valuable as you're able to convey to your audience. In other words, what, only what you can make your audience understand because God can reveal something great, but if you can't communicate it, you know, it could be good for you, but, but until you're able to relate it to other people, it doesn't have the value that God wants it to, to have. And that requires growth. That requires growth. That requires change. You know, the only way you can tell that a plant is alive is that it changes. A plant that doesn't change is, is plastic. It's made out of, it's not real. See, and God wants us to grow. All right, the word of God. Now, I want you to be open to a renewing of your mind, okay? A renewing of your mind according to your level of understanding because we're not all at the same level of understanding, okay? Wherever you're at in your walk, God's gonna work with you right there. But see, it's up to you to have your heart prepared. See, if you wanna receive revelation, it's gonna change your life. It's up to you to cultivate the ground because I can't do that and God won't do it for you. See, you have to have your heart prepared and make your heart soil so the seed can fall on good ground and it can produce growth that you want to see. Do you, do you want to change? I do. I want to change. I want to grow. I don't want to be the same man I am tomorrow as I am today. So God has to keep working, and, he, and he, uh, he, he will work with us. And God wants you to be a new wineskin this morning, so he can pour new wine into your lives. All right, in Genesis chapter 4, what I want to show you today, now the worship was so powerful, I love that. Now, I'm, I'm going to give you something that you need to grab a hold of this. I want to show you today the importance of the relationship between worship and the offering of the Lord. I want to show you something that maybe you're not familiar with, but it's very clear from the Word of God. You have got to see this. You have to see this in order for God to move you on to where he has uh, you to go. So, and I want to show you that from the very beginning, worship is associated with offerings. From the very beginning. Let me show you what I'm talking about. In Genesis chapter 4, we have the story of Cain and Abel. I know you're probably familiar with that story. Let me read uh, from verse 2. It says, And she again 
bore his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass, I better lower this, I'm hearing a lot of popping sound here. Uh, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain uh, brought of the fruit of the ground, <coughs> of the fruit of the ground, an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the findings, first things of the flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, shall it not be accepted? But if you don't do well, then sin lies at the door. And unto you shall be his desire, and, 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 uh, and you shall rule over him. I'll get into that a little bit later. But you see, in the very beginning, you know, you have to think about Cain and Abel. Okay, they brought an offering to the Lord. How did they know how to do that? They were the only two children from Adam and Eve. Where did they learn that from? Well, the Bible doesn't clearly tell us, but I believe it was taught to them by their father. I believe that Adam taught them. Now, where did Adam get that from? Well, because you remember when they sinned in the garden, they tried to cover themselves up with their own covering. But, you know, leaves, after a while, they shrivel up and die and they won't cover you. But God provided a covering by killing an animal and putting the skins of the animal over them. And so Adam somehow, I don't, you know, I don't understand, but Adam understood that, that there was a, a cost to their sin, and that it took the shedding of blood and the covering of their lives in order for them to stay in relationship with God. So I believe they pass that on to their sons. Otherwise, how do they know to bring an offering to, to the Lord? Now, I, I don't want to get into too much deep things, but you can see here that there, so uh, Cain is a tiller of the ground, and Abel takes care of the flocks, right? And they both bring an offering from what they produce. So it seems like that would be like a normal thing to do, right? But the Bible clearly tells us that God accepted Abel's offering. And I want to show you something about this in the book of Hebrews in a minute. He accepted, but he didn't accept Cain's offering. Why not? See, and, and I want to tell you something about the offering of the Lord. Now, let me, let me give you a little side note here. You know that when God set the people free out of Exodus, you know, he told them, build me a tabernacle. The tabernacle becomes like the meeting point, the connection of heaven and earth, right? Where God for the first time comes and dwells among his people. That never happened before. He says, I want you to build me a tabernacle and I'm going to come and dwell with you. See, and so God, and, and, and what God is going to do is he's going to start revealing himself to the nation of Israel in a way that he had never done before, okay? And how does he do that? Well, he does it through a system of offerings that are seen all over the word of God. I don't have time to get into that. But see, God, he said, I'm going to reveal my character to these people. And remember, these are slaves. They don't have education. They don't know how to read. They don't know how to write. So God has to use a lot of symbolism so they could, you know, and they wouldn't understand it right away. 
The only way they would understand it is like I said before, the way revelation comes is that as God revealed what they want them to do, as they obey and they're walking in obedience and all of a sudden they start to understand little by little. I, like I said, I don't have time to get into that. You see, but the point is, is that God chose to reveal his character to his people that he had called out of Egypt through the offering. I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. Don't get hung up on old-fashioned thinking. Pay attention to what I'm telling you. God revealed, he says, I want to reveal my character, and I'm going to do it through the offerings and other rituals that were involved in the tabernacle. See? And God is teaching his people something. And in the offering, what I want you to see here is that God reveals his character and in the offering, our character is also revealed. Do you see that? Because Abel's offering was accepted. Cain's wasn't. And when it wasn't accepted, see, that bothered him. See, let me tell you what. God could do whatever he wants to do. You and I have nothing to say about it. There are things in the word of God that make people really uncomfortable. It's like, hey, when they, when they say, God wiped out a, a city, he said, kill all the mothers, kill all the babies, kill everybody, kill the animals too. And people were like, oh my, is that, is that the God of love? Hey, shut up. He's God. You just don't understand him. He is a God of love. How could a God of love want babies to be killed? I don't know, and you don't know. But he is God. Do you understand? He is a sovereign God. Our job is to learn how to obey. And in the offering, character is revealed. And God reveals his character. You see, Cain, God said, you know, he's a holy God. Like, that's acceptable. That's beautiful. This isn't. Probably because it's not obedience. There's no blood sacrifice here. The fruits of the ground, that's good. You brought your crops, that's nice. But you, you learn from your father, it has to be a blood sacrifice. That's what I believe. I'm not saying absolutely dogma, but that's what I believe was happening, see? But the point is that Cain got upset. And God said, what's wrong? What's wrong? Why do you have that sad face on? So God's revealing his character that he's a God of compassion that always gives us a chance to repent. Just like he did when Adam sinned, what did the Bible say? He went looking for him like he, couldn't, like he didn't know where he was at. He knew where he was. He's God, right? But the Bible says he comes looking because he's, see, he's always that God of redemption. He's a God that goes out after us. We mess up, God goes after us, see? Adam, where are you? They're, they're in sin, they're ashamed. But see, God redeems them. He kills them. He says, I can see you're uncomfortable. Don't worry, I'm going to take care of it. He covers them. And you, are you seeing what I'm saying? That, see, God reveals his character and he reveals our character. Now, when we start to understand the character of God and fall in line, that's where development becomes. See, we start to develop our lives and we become the children of God. The Bible says those that, are, that follow the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 
Well, that's what I want to be. See, it's very easy to say, oh, I'm led by the Spirit. Are you? Because those that are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. You better be careful if you're clapping, okay? You can go ahead and clap. Go ahead and that's That's fine. But this is business here. Now, I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to flip around a little bit, okay? We need the word of God in our lives. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, I want to show you something here. Now, this is, this is critical. This is more critical than I can make you understand. You've you got to get this. Basically, what I'm going to show you, I'll fast forward a little bit. I'm just trying, I'm trying to show you that worship and the offering are one. We don't do that in church. I'll get to that later. Worship and the offering are one. See, and the Lord attends the offering. Because when they offer, he's accepting. That means he's there. Just like Jesus, he's watching the offerings and he sees the little, the mites of the widow. He says, hey, you look at that. All these other people with all kinds of money, they give all kinds, okay, good. They have a lot. They get, but look at, see, God pays attention to that. He's paying attention. He's watching over this. Now, in the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 11, it says this. See, God's relationship is connected to his worship and offering, and God testifies that this is true. In Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 4, it says, By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Look at this. God testifying of his gifts, and here's what I love, and by it he being dead yet speaks. Abel is no longer alive, but the testimony of his life is still alive. And it is still speaking something that can bring life to a people. That's why you have to get this. You have to see the life of Abel, uh, someone who obeyed God and God testifying that that was the case because he not only accepted it, but he put it in the word of God. And he said that even though he's dead, yet his life is still speaking. I want that to be my testimony. Don't you? Leviticus chapter 9, go there. Oh, I got to hurry. I'm, I'm already feeling like I'm out of time. Leviticus chapter uh, 9. I want you to see something here. You know, something you have to learn too about the Word of God is that if something is repeated over and over and over and over and over again, it's important. You think all those chapters about the building of the tabernacle, like 10 chapters, and some people go, I'll just skip through all these details. What are you doing? See, or, or when you read First Chronicles, all these lists of names for five chapters, who wants to read that? Is your name important? See, God is showing that the name of every individual person is important to me. So he, there, you know, there's that list there. I force myself to read those names one by one. See? Why? Because God put it in there. 
I can't determine if that's boring, so I'm just going to skip it. And the offering, the tabernacle, chapter after chapter, said, this is hard to read, uh, Brother Tony. I know. But read it. You say, I don't understand it. Let me tell you why you don't understand it. You never read it. If you read it, God's going to show you something there. It might not be a big old understanding, you know, some huge. You just might get some little nugget that helps you. See, God wants to help you. He's saying, take the time to read it because I want to show you something. See, I want to reveal my character to you and then so that I can help develop your character. I want us to be working together. The Bible says we were created, uh, you know, by his craftsmanship. We're created for good works. See, with him. Leviticus chapter 9, it says this. Uh, in verse 24, uh, actually, if you look at, at verse 6 and 7, let me show you this. It says, and Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord commanded that you should do, and the glory of the Lord shall appear to you. And Moses said, said unto Aaron, go to the altar, offer the sin offering, the burnt offering, make an atonement for yourself and the people. Offer the offering uh, of the people, make an atonement for them as the Lord commanded. And then verse 24 it says, and there came a fire from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat, which when the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. You see, there again is God's testimony. Moses said, do this. <coughs> Offer these offerings, this offering, that offering. Give the long list. And before that, there was all kinds of instruction about it. And Moses said, okay, I give you all the son. Now, go do it. When they did it, God testified by the fire of God coming down and consuming that whole thing right there. See, that's what God does. The offering is important because it's about a revelation of his character and the development of your character. You're not going to grow until you grab a hold of this. Not just this. You know, there's all kinds of revelation in the word of God. But I'm saying in this area, God's trying to teach you something. Now, I, I told you in the beginning, you're not going to change. You're not going to grow the way God wants you to until you have a shift of the way you think. I'm challenging you today. I'm challenging this whole church, Pastor Ruben. You've got to change the way you think. I, I don't have time to get through this whole message. I know that. But maybe another time, you know, but... but but I want to show you some important things from this. This is like the beginning, okay? Cain's offering was not accepted. Something's wrong, and he doesn't repent. There's consequences of that. If you Don't turn back to Genesis, but back in Genesis it says, you know, Cain didn't repent. What was the result? He killed his brother. That's what we see in, not only in the house of God, but in our whole community. People are killing one another. Why? Because they won't repent for the evil that they have done. And so they're literally murdering people by the droves all over the world. Well, the same thing happens in the church. You know, the enemy knows how to bring division in the church. And the, our sign that we're believers is that we're supposed to love one another. And, when, and Jesus said, you don't have to kill anybody to be called a murderer. If you just think evil about your brother, you're guilty. Let that sink in a little bit. If you're criticizing your brother in your mind, you're guilty. 
brother, can I, I can't control my thoughts. Yes, you can. That's another message I don't have time to get into. <laughs> yes, you can. Because, because the Bible says our weapons of warfare are mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds. What are those strongholds? Every high imagination that exalts itself against the, uh, against the word of God. So what do I do? I bring those thoughts into captivity, the Bible says. And I bring them into submission. That's you taking charge of your thinking. All right, I said I wasn't going to get into it, and I won't. But you, don't tell me you can't control your thoughts. That's disobedience. It's not easy. Nothing, when you're serving God, nothing's easy. You know, in the beginning. But then, you know, God builds you, makes you strong. See, so he dies, or not he dies, but the Bible says when you cultivate the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. That's his, that's his punishment. He goes, and a vagrant and a wanderer over the earth, that's what you're going to do. That's what's going to happen to you. Cain, you're out because he killed his brother. You're not going to be fruitful. You can put as much work into the land again. But I, the ground is cursed. You're done. See, you see, when the worship is out of order, I want you to go to Leviticus chapter 10. You're already there in chapter 9. When the worship is out of order, see, that same fire that testified that this is right, that same fire that consumed that sacrifice and the glory of God fell and the people fell on their faces, powerful move of God. That same fire in chapter 10 and verse 1 and 2, it says, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered a strange fire before the Lord. Now look at this. Which he commanded them not. That's scary right there. We should not do things that God's not telling us to do. Brother, how can I? Well, you know what? That's part of the challenge. That's part of the walk with God is to learn. Can we do it perfectly? No, but we can do the best we can. Let the will of the Lord be done on the earth as it is in heaven. That's you and me on the earth. That's where we're at. But that same fire in verse 2, and there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. You can say, brother, that's harsh. That's God. See, when worship is out of order, the same fire that declared the holiness of God killed two men who did something out of order that God didn't command them. You see that? It's so important for you to see that. Now, go to... Uh, um, Genesis chapter 8. I want to show you another example. Noah. Genesis chapter 8. The Bible says that, you know, you know the story of Noah. Well, after Noah gets off the ark, for as long as he had been out, all the years of building and everything he went through, in verse 20, it says this, And Noah built an altar unto the Lord. This is right after he came off the, off the boat, right? And took of every clean and every, every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet 
savor. You see, the first thing that Noah does, as soon as he gets off the ark, what does he do? He worships God. He immediately, now I don't know if you know the details in the Noah when they got their animals two by two. He said, but of the clean animals, seven of them. Seven. Why? Because the clean animals, I don't have time to get in clean and unclean. It has nothing to do with sin. In the Bible, when it's talked about clean and unclean, it has nothing to do with sin. It has to do with ritual fitness, and that's another story, okay? But they took the more clean animals because they are the ones that are to be sacrificed, and those are the ones that could be eaten, see? So he had those already, and he took the clean animals, the beasts and the birds, and he offered them right away on the altar. As soon as his foot hit the ground, he built an altar, and he's worshiping God. With what? With an offering. See, worship, offering. They're one and the same. Let me fast forward a little bit and say this. What that means is what, some of what I'm saying and coming to is you can't worship God without an offering. It's not real. And you can't offer unto God unless it's worship. It has to be out of love. It has to be out of gratefulness. See? So here I go off in, in another direction. Just real quick, though. When you come to church, your offering should already be ready. You shouldn't be searching when they, oh, it's time for the offering. Let's see what I got. No. You should be thinking ahead of time before you walk in the door because the Bible says don't let them come empty-handed. Nobody here can say, well, I ain't got nothing. You got something. Let me go check your refrigerator, see if you got food. Huh? Gas. What, you know what I mean? It's not, the Bible says it's not according to the size. It's according to your ability. See? But the whole point is that you come knowing I'm going to minister unto the Lord. Okay, I'm getting into another message, but this is, this is so you could see the relationship, because I'm talking about the relationship between worship and the offering. So you see, you come in here on time, best you can, okay, to worship God. Why? You're going to worship, well, because you love him, but what you know is that when you worship God, what does it do? It brings the presence of God down into our midst, right? Okay, so... We, when we understand that I'm going to worship God, okay, with all my heart, and we know that God's going to come down and he is going to minister to us. We know that's what's going to happen. But before that, when the king shows up, I have something for you. You seen that? I have something for you. Now let me butt in a little bit here. Just to give you something to think about. You know, today when we were worshiping God, which I love, I'm a worshiper, uh, <laughs> I just, I'll just put it out there and we'll just see how it comes. See, at that point, you know how sometimes you just get into the worship and man, your heart is so tender right there. And sometimes you even cry, you know, I know I do sometimes, just hits you, you know, and, and man, you're, you're just right there. It's precious right there. Let me just say this. That is the time of the offering of the Lord. We don't do that. We don't do that. We stop the worship. Stepping on toes a little bit here, but 
Just, to, just hear me out. Like I said, you have to be open to things you have, maybe you haven't been exposed to before. Listen, just listen. I'm not trying to, I'm just trying to feed you something and, you know, digest it and let God do what he wants to do. But we don't, we don't, we don't do that. What well, I'm going to show you a little bit more in the word of God. Am I going to show you? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what, what you're going to see in the word of God is that the timing is important. See? Moses gets off the boat. It's like worship with the offering. See? And you're going to see this all throughout the word of God. I'm going to show you some, but not, not everything. But you're going to find that principle all throughout the word of God. It's so important. Because God reveals his character. And he wants you to know him better. Okay. Noah. Now look at what happens as a result. Remember that God had cursed the ground, right? From Adam. He cursed it when Adam sinned. But then, it was, then with Cain says, you can till the ground and it's not going to produce fruit for you. Your labor is not going to work out. But now, in Genesis chapter 9, the scripture that we read in verse 20, okay, is that where I'm at? No, no. No, I'm in uh, Genesis 8. Yeah, with Noah, okay? And uh, verse 20, and then verse 21, the Lord smelled a sweet savor. Look at what it says. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Now you might say, that sounds confusing. No, it's God saying, you know what? In response to your acts, your work, your offering, your purity, I'm going to cancel that curse. Even though I know the thoughts of men's hearts are just evil all the time. But I'm going to honor, Noah, what you just did. See? And he says, and neither will I again smite anymore every living thing. You see that he has done. When your heart is right with God and you're off, you understand the principle, the worship and the offering, and you make it a part of your life, sometimes it breaks curses in your life. Sometimes it just breaks things that helps you to move on. This is, this is God's, this is the way God works. We don't understand him the way we need to understand him. But let me tell you, God wants to reveal himself to you more than you want to know him. I'm thankful for that. All right. Go to Genesis chapter 22. You know this story, right? Abraham. I don't think I'm going to get even as far as I planned, but I'm going to try. Now look at it. You know the story of Abraham, right? Chapter 22 and verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God... Uh, did test Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. He said, Take now your son, your only son. God's emphasizing something there because he's saying something. Whom you love. That promised one, the one you waited 100 years for. Take that son and offer him, get into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt Offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell you of. That's harsh too. 
But see, Abraham, one of the reasons Abraham's a father of faith is because he just obeyed. He just did it. Because look at it says, and Abraham rose early in the morning. You know, instead of like sleep as long as you can, try to delay it. No, no. He gets up early in the morning and says, we're going to get on this because this is what God told me to do. And he says, and he saddled his donkey and the two of them and his young men went with him and, uh, and Isaac, his son, and they cut the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. So here is Abraham offer, you know, honoring God. See, the burnt offering is respected by Abraham. He's willing to offer the very best he has. I mean, what else? What could be more? What could be asked more? The very best that he had to offer his son. And he's willing to do this. See? And you see, God testifies when we're like this. God testifies about the gift of the offer, of the worshiper. Look at him, verse 12. Okay? And, and he said unto him, Lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. But I want you to see something before that. Because you, you got you to think this through, man. I mean, we read it in the Word of God, and it's just a story. But God told him to offer his only son as a sacrifice. And, and, and uh, at the, Abraham wasn't a kid. He's an adult already. I don't have time to show you that, but he's an adult. He's not a little boy. You, you don't put a stack of wood on a little kid, you know. He, he's an adult, but he submits to his father. He's willing. But his son has a question because he doesn't know what's going on. And in verse 4, it says, Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Now look at this. Here's Abraham. Abide here with the donkey. You guys stay here. I and the lad will go yonder and what? Worship. And come again to you. When Abraham was asked by God to sacrifice the very soul, his very heart, what did he call that? He didn't call it a burden. He didn't say... He tells his servants who don't know what's going on, he goes, stay here. I'm going to go worship. Do you see that? When asked by God, we're going to go worship God. We're going to come back. Abraham, when this happens, and God says, you know what, don't do it, because now I see your faith is real. Your faith is real. And you see, Isaac had asked a question. He had said, I see the wood. I see the fire. Where's the lamb? You see? See, those words, God's spoken word goes out. And those questions get answered. Because the Bible said his word does not come back void. See? And God answers that question by the, someone by the name of John the Baptist, who when Jesus come on the scene, Isaac had said, where is the lamb? Abraham said, God's going to provide it. Don't worry about it. 
And John sees Jesus coming and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You receive that? God doing something in here? I mean, in here? See, but Abraham also receives a revelation. You see, God reveals his character, right? He's going to test his people. He's going to try you to see, are you for real? Is your life real? Do you really love me? Peter, do you really love me? Come on, Lord. Do you really love me? You see, God is going to test us. Why? Because that's part of his character. He wants you and I to be real people, not fake people, real people. But see, when Abraham demonstrates that he is for real, then God reveals to him his character. I provide. When I see, I provide. Abraham has a revelation. See, he didn't understand that before, but when he offered the way God wanted him to, all of a sudden he has a revelation that God is his provider. Because he sees, he's experiencing it. That's the way I want my walk to be. I want my walk to be something I'm experiencing every single day. Your will be done, not mine. Jesus even shows us how he's able to line up his character with the plan of God when he's struggling with something in his human flesh. When he says, now the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And what should I say? Should I say, Father, free me from this hour. He's a human being. He's saying, should I say, God, get me out of this. He said, but for this cause was I brought into the world. Father, glorify your name. See, that's Jesus. You know, he's human. He got feelings, you know, but without sin, right? But he shows us, you know, I'm feeling something, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to line myself up with the will of God. That means you can do that. Don't say, oh, well, that's Jesus, brother. You know what that means? If you're saying that, that means that you don't really believe that he was human. You're saying, well, of course, Jesus, you know, he's God and all that. He was 100% human, 100% God. He went to the bathroom. <laughs> he felt pain if he stubbed his toe. Oh, don't, 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 don't panic, that's... Oh, maybe you should panic. <laughs> maybe I should panic. Shh. Shh. Yeah. <laughs> Last thing. Genesis 45. You get that? You get that? Genesis 45. Let me show you one more thing. You know, you know the story of Joseph and how Joseph had been sent down to Egypt. And, uh, you know, they found out that he's alive and the brothers come back and tell the father. And Jacob was having a hard time, like, believing this. It's, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, don't, uh, I don't believe it. But then he finally does. He says, okay, 
I'm going to go. Now look what happens here. In Genesis 45, starting in the last verse, 28. And Joseph said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go down and see him before I die. Now look at this. And Israel took his journey with all that he had, and he came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices unto the God of his father, Isaac. Do you see that? He finds himself in a place of obedience. He says, okay, I'm just going to believe and, and I'm going to go, but man, I'm going to worship God. If Joseph is alive, I'm going to worship God. Well, how does he do it? With sacrifice, with offerings. And look at what happens as a result. See? It says, and then God spoke unto Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. And he said, I am God, the God of your father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of you a great nation. And I will go down with you into Egypt, and I will surely bring you up again. And Joseph shall put his hand upon your eyes. See, God, when you understand what I'm talking about tonight, you understand that the offering and the worship is a significant time, and it's intimate. And Joseph, Jacob, I mean, um, Israel is, is struggling. His son's, you know, I want to go. I want to believe. Okay, I do. I do believe. I, I'm going to go. See? So he takes that step. See, God likes us to take the initiative, take that step. He says, I'm going, but I'm out worship God first. Okay? And what happens? God speaks to him in the visions of the night. You want to hear from God? I do. It takes understanding the kingdom. See, I'm talking about the kingdom. See, believers, we just think about heaven. But you know Jesus is coming back to rule and reign for a thousand years, don't you? That's the kingdom. When Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, he's not talking about heaven in the word of God. He's talking about the messianic era, that time when Jesus is sitting on the throne in Israel for a thousand years. We're going to be a part of that. We're supposed to be preparing for that. And I got news for you. Hopefully it's not news. But you know, but I don't know. Like I said, you're at different levels of maturity and all that. But you know, the book of Ezekiel tells us the temple is going to be rebuilt. And if you read there, the sacrifices are going to be reinstated. The priesthood is going to be reinstated. Why? Why when Jesus is here? Well, I don't have time to get, I don't understand it completely myself. All I know is that those things have never been done away with. The reason we don't have the Old Testament sacrifices today is because there's no temple in Israel. The temple was destroyed in 70 AD. And, with, and, and God said, you can only offer sacrifices here in the place where I put my name. You can't just offer them anywhere. So that temple's, the altar's gone. So for 2,000 years, that hasn't happened. But when Jesus returns, he's going to reinstate all that. All I'm just saying is we need to know something about that. We need to be preparing for the kingdom. Yes, I want to be raptured. I've opened, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm with you. But let me tell you what, that's not the end. I want to be a part of him ruling and reigning here for a thousand years. I, I want to know. Shh. Shh. 
Oh, that's the uh, alarm. Sweetheart, we need to take your medication. We'll do that afterwards. All right. I've meddled enough. I just want to help you. I'm trying to help me. I just want to grow. I, look, at. I don't want to just do church the way everybody does church. I want to try to line myself up with the Word of God to the best of my understanding. I, I wish I had. I don't have it all down. I'm learning just like you're learning. I'm learning. But I've learned a lot of things. I've been around a while, man. It's been 40, almost 42 years since I came into that church and gave my life to the Lord. Well, you know, in 40-something years, you learn a few things, you know. But believe me, I'm not where I want to be. I'm in pursuit. I always tell people that. I'm a man in pursuit of the will of God, the purpose of God. God has a purpose for your life. He wants you to, he wants you to fulfill it. He doesn't want you to die. You know, Paul was able to die and say, you know what, I finished the race. Like you were talking about Brother uh, Lordine, you know. I finished. I've done what God called me to do. That's, that's a beautiful place to be, you know. Let's stand. Well, I know I kind of left you hanging a little bit with some thoughts, you know. But the, by faith, I'm going to say this. The next thing, I'm going to teach you about this. <laughs> I believe in the future, in the months ahead or whatever, is that another relationship is that, and, and I'll you know, talk about it later, but is that the Bible indicates that the, the worship and the offering is to be a time of rejoicing. You know, he says in all the festivals, he says you're going to offer the sacrifices and you're going to rejoice. Deuteronomy 26 talks about you're going to bring your, you know, the tithe of the land and you're going to bring it to the priest. You're going to put it there. And when you put it down, you're going to make a declaration. You're going to say, in so many words, you're going to say, my God promised that he would bring us into the land of milk and honey and he has done that and here's the evidence. Your offering is part of the evidence of the work that God is doing in your life. It's a type of a declaration. It's not, it's not a business. It's not just church business. Sure, God has you know, rules and things about, yeah, okay. We've been, but the point is it has to be a, a motive of love. That's why the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. It's not supposed to be phony. Okay, I'll be happy about it. But the time of the offering, I just, I don't have time to get into that. Let's, let's pray. No, don't bow your head. I want you to look up here at me. You know, I, I, I pray that God spoke to your heart today in, in whatever way, because everybody's at a different place. But one of the important things I mentioned in the beginning is it's up to you to open up your heart, to prepare your heart to receive. Because, see, I don't know the work that God is doing in your life. I know he's doing something. But it's not up to the pastors to figure all that out. You know, to, to, how could we possibly know that? Well, we do know this, that God is doing a work in your life, see? 
God is touching you in certain ways, and it's different for everybody. But the thing is that when you cultivate the ground, you can be confident that if you'll flow with, the, with what you've been taught, that there's going to be fruit. We want our life. The Bible says we're to be productive. We're to be fruitful. See? And God is going to make you fruitful. I'm just going to tell you that. Look at, look at what you have. Look at the blessing of God on Pastor Ruben's life. I would join in too. You know, you, the use that, that are coming. And the best is yet to come. But God is doing something. And so if you're, if you're here, uh, you know, I, I, if you want to come to the altar and pray, uh, you can. You know, if God spoke to you in a, in a way that you feel like you want to seal something, let me tell you this. I love when people come to the altar, but there's no magic here. It's, see, again, it's just something that you, it's between you and God. And because you're responding, you know, God puts, puts that fire. You know, I remember, I remember many times, many altar calls where I was there and just crying my eyes out, you know. And sometimes that's just a special time, but let me tell you what, God can meet you right where you're at in your seat. But if you want to come to this altar, you know, you can. You can come up here and pray if you want. But let me say this last thing. If you, if you don't know the Lord today, if you're here, maybe somebody brought you as a visitor. Uh, if that visitor is with you and knows you, you know, they should bring you up here to the altar so you don't come by yourself. You know why? Because they're the best person to do follow-up with you because they know you. If you want to do that, you can come up here and do that, or you can do it right there in your seat. The person that knows you can say, hey, can I lead you in a sinner's prayer or whatever you want to say? But I know that God is doing a work in this place. Whether you come to the altar or not, I believe that God is touching people's lives and he's transforming lives, and you're going to see things begin to, to, to produce in your life that you're going to even surprise yourself. Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit that is able to work in our lives and help us to grow and to develop. Bless your people today, Lord God. Cause your people to see what we're doing. Play that a little louder. Cause your people to see the work that you're doing. Cause your people to open up their eyes and see the work that you're doing, Lord. You are a great and awesome God. Let your fire fall. Let your fire fall. Consume the sacrifice of the hearts of your people, Lord. We love you, Lord. We worship you. You are the King of kings. Oh, lift up your hands. Sing to the Lord and let him know that you're here in his presence to honor him. You are the great and the mighty God, the only true God. We thank you, Lord. You're the Holy One. 
te borrimar.